0: Podcast fans, you like the new music, do you? Well, we do too. Check out these new tunes here. Yeah, yeah, we we really like it. It's a little bit of a change here for the Greatest Games Podcast. So we really appreciate you reaching out to us. Tweet at us at 816 Basketball on Twitter. Send us an email, 816Basketball at gmail.com. We love hearing from our fans. We appreciate you reaching out. And we're glad you like the new music. This week's episode is with the great Larry Davis, a phenomenal player turned phenomenal coach at York Preparatory Academy in Rock Hill, South Carolina. This is one that we take a deep dive into Larry's journey as a player and how he has translated that into being a great coach. But before we get to that episode, check out teachhoops.com slash 816 basketball for incredible coaching resources from Steve Collins. We talk about it a lot. We hope our fans are going to that website. Again, tchoops.com slash 816 basketball and the competitive mindset podcast. We talk about it here all the time. It is absolutely rolling with the great Billy Kegler, the competitive mindset podcast found wherever you get your podcast and on social media at competitive pod. Hello and welcome to the Greatest Games Podcast brought to you by 816 Basketball. I'm one of your hosts, Brian Rosefield, and I'm joined by my co-host, Chris de Blasio.
1: Thank you, Brian. Pleasure to be here on the Greatest Games Podcast. As always, a chance for us to catch up with basketball coaches from around the country and have them tell us about their greatest game. As always, it can be their time as a head coach, an assistant coach, a high school coach, a college coach, a player, just whatever game they consider to be their greatest.
0: That's right, Chris de Blasio. And, you know, we are, um, yeah, we, we talk about it all the time. I think we've said it just about every episode that we we make history with the Greatest Games podcast. And today's guest is we're, we're going to learn more about him, let him tell his story, but uh, a two time all SEC selection of the University of South Carolina. He, he only scored 1,068 points during his time as a gamecock, but that was in two years. <laughs> so, <laughs> to learn more about him as a coach and as a player, but welcome to the Greatest Games podcast, Coach Larry Davis of York Prep. Welcome, Coach.
2: Thanks for having me,
1: Coach Davis. He's not only Brian; you messed that up a little bit. He's not only the head coach; he also doubles as athletic director.
0: That is right. That is true. He is. He's <laughs> also one of us. One of us as an athletic director, and uh, we, Coach Larry, we 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 share ideas often, don't we? It's one of those things where, we're we're kind of trying to keep our head above water and just trying to share some ideas and keep that ship afloat.
2: Yeah, Really, we do. Uh, it's been great having uh, you, as I see, as a mentor, because you've been doing it a little longer than I have, and I can always bounce ideas and, and ask for certain suggestions from you, and uh, you've been so gracious to help us out. So thank you, you too. Well, yeah,
0: I'm, you know, I'm, I'm like any other good basketball coach. I'm stealing the things that you're telling me, too. So as long as we're just mutually stealing, then I'm good. It's a, it's all <laughs> Well,
1: Brian, we also forgot to mention, as I'm just – I'm Googling Larry here, as you know, trying to come up with some information and, and things to ask him. I believe in 2017, he was also elected into the university of South Carolina athletics hall of fame for those two amazing years he had. So we have a hall of famer on the show with us. No doubt. No doubt. I'm Larry. I'm not even in my family's hall of fame. Okay.
2: So <laughs> sure you're okay. Sure okay. <laughs>
1: Well, uh, Larry, why don't you tell us a little bit about your journey in basketball and, and how you went from, you know, you were a big time prep player and college player, and then you went out to play professionally and then got into coaching. Just kind of take us briefly through that journey.
2: Um, I started playing basketball um, at the age of nine. Um, I was actually born in in North Carolina and uh, kind of grew up a Tar Heel fan um, and uh my, my grandmother was living in uh, Denmark, South Carolina. My mom wanted to move back, um, provide health care for, her, and, uh, you know, the rest is history. I started playing in the backyards, um, as many of us do in the state of South Carolina. Um, uh, I grew a great deal of uh, admiration and love for the game, and I had some uh, really good coaches that um, that I was able to connect with uh, as a young, young teen, uh, one of them... Uh, was Kirk Collier. Um, Another one uh, was my high school coach, Ernest Nimmons, who uh, not only was was my high school coach, he was almost, he was like a father figure to me. So, um, but, you know, I I had a a brother that was, uh, that was very dear to me, um, uh, Tim uh, Freeman, who who passed here this past year. And, uh, you know, uh, he kind of introduced me and kept me um, on track in terms of uh, learning the game and uh, always made sure that, you know, I had what I needed in order for me to grow with the game. And, uh, um, you know, as my 10th grade year, I was moved up to the varsity team at the end of the year. Um, I didn't receive uh playing time until the, uh, the latter part of the season. After some injuries and some guys got in some foul trouble in playoff games and I was inserted into the game and, um, Had a good showing Uh, my junior year. uh, I ended up starting on my varsity team. Um, uh, Our team went 30 and one, lost in the state championship game. Um, And, uh, you know, it was a hurtful feeling. So the next year I I vowed to, you know, try to get better. We had three guys on that team uh, for my junior year that actually went on to play uh, division one basketball. Um, uh, Chris Jones, Jonathan Goodman, uh and eric sojourner um and uh i ended up um you know on a good team and learned a lot from those guys and you know with all those guys graduating um i ended up having to uh increase my abilities to lead and uh to to become a better scorer. i was the point guard on that team so i I wasn't asked to do a lot of scoring on, on the team my junior year and um my uh, senior year, I ended up leading uh the state, the country and scoring um averaging forty four points a game and then got recruited by some pretty heavily um uh some big schools, uh Division I schools, um uh Georgetown, um Georgia, Georgia Tech, Virginia, Virginia Tech, South Carolina, Clemson, and uh North Carolina came in late. I think uh it was towards the end of my senior year um, and uh, may have been the playoff game when they, yeah, third round of playoffs, when they became interested. And uh, Coach, Coach Guthridge came to a game, uh, Phil Ford actually came to a game and he saw me and um, they they made an offer right then and there. Um, and then I went on and, uh, of course, I'm with the University of North Carolina um, due to um, – some academic shortcomings, um, I enrolled in at you know, at Fort Union Military Academy, where you know I was able to go and not only get better um, uh, at basketball but to tune up on some areas of academics that I needed and uh, um, that was a tough situation because it was a it was a prep school that was military and uh, you know coming from a place where you have all this freedom um, to go and come when you, you please you, you kind of, um, you're into, you're in a system integrated into a system that's basically regimented. And, uh, everybody's telling you what you can and cannot do. So it was kind of tough for me. I spent a year there, um, time with, um, to play at university of North Carolina, I spent two years there, um, and, uh, transferred to the university of South Carolina. And, uh, Graduated in nineteen ninety seven and played seven seven and a half eight years professionally in Europe in nine different countries. So um, after that, I was able to uh, get into coaching and I was assistant coaching uh, Gastonia, North Carolina, for about seven and a half years before getting my head first head coaching job at Lewisville High School, um, and uh, won a state championship in two thousand thirteen. Uh, In my second year there, and uh, and after that, I went to Northwestern High School uh, for two years before going to Newberry College and James Madison University. And from there, I I came back home and uh, was asked uh, to take this job at York Prep Academy. So, in a nutshell, that's uh, that's that's my travels. Yeah, Larry. Um,
1: um, Oh, sorry, I wanted to interrupt Rosefield. Sorry. Please go for it, Um, Larry. Now, I don't know how big a college basketball fan you were growing up, um, but I was a huge one. And you're a little bit older than me, but you you named some schools there. And I'm just thinking, you know, as as a kid from from Denmark, South Carolina, what it was like, you know, you had that great senior year. You're having that great senior year and you're hearing from. Uh you said Georgetown, so you hear from John Thompson or someone on that staff, Georgia Tech, so you're talking about Bobby kremens, you know, and then obviously coach Guthridge and them come down from North Carolina, like just like what was that I just you I don't even know if you remember like what was that like
2: it was uh very overwhelming for me um because um you know these are uh people that I admired in the college basketball uh industry, you know, John Thompson um what he stood for as a as a basketball coach and and, uh you know all the years that he's been there and uh you know (laughs) coach um uh um during the time he he was there at georgia tech and you know he had three guys that could really fill it up during that time with uh kenny anderson and um
1: uh, dennis scott
2: yeah dennis scott and brian (laughs) oliver and brian oliver so uh (laughs) you know, he, 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 it was tough because they all sold their programs, um, to the highest and it, it confused me. Like I didn't know, uh, which one of those would be best uh, suited for my talent. Um, I didn't know which one was, would give me opportunity to fulfill a goal of winning a national championship. Um, cause they all were good programs. They, they were all really good programs. And it just made the decision really, really hard. But, um, you know, as I look back at it, you know, over the years, you know, um, I don't think I could have went wrong with any of those programs because I, they all were led by some great men um, that graduated their athletes and and produce, uh guys that went to the next level. So, I, like I said, I, yeah, I don't think I would have went wrong with any of those choices.
1: We're not selling Coach Fogler short. Sorry, let's make sure we say that. We're not coach selling. Fogler, <laughs> coach Fogler
2: didn't even recruit me. <laughs> he, I was, he, he looked up my grades and he was like, uh, Vanderbilt? No, we, we can't have
1: this
0: guy. <laughs> Larry, the, the, the level of success you've had as a as a player, uh, a national championship in North Carolina, and then you win one at Lewisville as a coach. Um and just we talked a little bit about uh, your individual accolades scoring like you did. Uh, one of the things that's been interesting to me, uh, being around coaching for as long as I have, like I was never. Uh, a a very good player I felt like I got to where I was a decent coach before I took an athletic director job Um, but what I've noticed is sometimes the best players often are don't make the greatest coaches and I've had the opportunity to see your teams play a variety of different stops obviously winning a state championship that speaks for itself but what you're doing at York Prep now with your kids and how fundamentally sound and how disciplined they are it's really special so how did you make that transition from being an unbelievable player to being an unbelievable coach as well
2: well, well first of all thank you for those compliments um I, I would say this um i've had been blessed to have some really good coaches um you know in my career um when i talk about um uh, ernest nemmons who was my high school coach and to uh leave him and play for fletcher eric who Um, was arguably one of the the best high school basketball coaches to ever uh, coach the game uh, who recently um, passed uh, to leave him and uh, then play for coach Smith um, and then coach Fogler. I I mean, it's hard for me to mess that one up (laughs) because it was this stuff that was ingrained in me and I haven't changed a lot of what I do. I just mimics and, and, uh, the things that they've asked, they, they asked of me as a player. And I, um, from the defensive side of the ball to, you know, playing unselfish and um, playing as a team, um, competing as hard as you can every possession, you know, I just take those core values and, you know, I, I constantly um, beat that those things home with my kids. And um, I run the program just like it would be a college program. You know, we have pregame meal, we have, um, you know, study hall, we have um, film sessions, we have individual sessions, we have team um, sessions of film. Uh, I don't think that you can ever watch enough film. I, You know, I, I wasn't a fan of it when I was uh, <laughs> at USC or at North Carolina because it se- seemed to be repetitive, but that's what it's meant to do, you know, you can, to drive an idea home and these habits to drive them home so you can see your mistakes and actually uh, correct them during uh, during the course of practice and games and you know uh coach fogler was one uh person that was very detailed um and i take a lot of what um i do now um from coach fogler and coach smith and and how you run a program and uh you know the x's and o's part of it uh, the detail with the execution um, and the accountability for each team, uh, each player. Uh, I want each player to have a certain level of accountability, and um, I, I want the guys to trust one another, and I want them to play for one another, and those are things that I drive home every every day in practice.
1: <laughs> Larry, just I was laughing when you were talking about the film, obviously being the film guy. Um, <laughs> sometimes – Players and coaches would have a dispute about you weren't there, you know, on the defense. we "Oh, I was there." Coach Odom would sometimes just turn and point to me, standing up there, when he was having a discussion with it. He would just go, "All right, well, well, look, it's okay. It's it's so there for posterity."
2: Coach Frogler had this saying in practice: "The eye in the sky never lies." Yep, <laughs> and, and it's true. And I, when I when guys say that, you know, Coach, I was at help side, and I'm able to cut that clip out and send it to him after the game. <laughs> you know, is is remarkable tool to teach. So, uh, no, we, we we I have fun with it. Um, I'm I'm very intense. Um, <laughs> you know, I want the guys to be intense when they're playing. So, uh, you know. Uh, when, during my playing days, I noticed that all my teams uh, that I've played on were basically carbon copies of um, the coach. Um, they're, they're, they're just what the coach were, was. And uh, when you talk about Coach Fogler, I mean, you know, he was very energetic and unapologetic for anything that he said. <laughs> you know, you, you if it hurt your feelings, you know it. Hey, get tough. You know, he would always say you can't have thin skin playing basketball. And, you know, I tell my kids that, you know, um, you know, listen to the message
1: and not how it was delivered. Oh, I like that. I got to say that one. Write that one down, Rosefield. I need to use that one this year. <laughs> <laughs> Larry, talk about when the opportunity to, to go to York Prep and not only become the basketball coach but the athletic director was that something you were looking for were you were you nervous about it did you, you know how how did that come about and what were your thoughts about being the athletic director but also being one of the coaches there and if how difficult that can be
2: well actually i was um i was at york prep 3 years before being a oh, okay. this job um, i was just um, introduced or just um, uh, given a chance to uh, to be the athletic director this, this past year. So this is my second year as the AD. And, um, know yeah, I was there, uh, my kids were there and I expressed interest in it when, uh, Mike Drummond decided to, uh, to resign. Um, and, uh, he thought that I would be the right choice being that, you know, I know most of the kids there. I was also the cross country coach. Um, the kids there like me, um, the staff, um, um, it was very taken. It, it, it took to me in a, in a, in a positive way um, because of some of the things that I, I brought uh, to the athletic arena at York Prep um, in terms of uh, some of the things that we do. Uh, I actually uh, started a program called Program Assist at York Prep where um, we donated uh, each, each program, well, it was just a basketball team for the last three years, but the this past year and this year, we uh, we get teams to um, to, to basically uh, donate um, non non items, uh, deodorants, toothpaste, um, quilts, um, sleeping bags, and things of that nature. And what we do is we donate that stuff to the local homeless shelter. And uh, it's just stuff like that that I've learned from Coach Smith and Coach Fogler during my time uh, as a player and. You know, it's always about giving back to someone that's less fortunate. And uh, I want my kids to understand that basketball is just a small microcosm of life. And, uh, you know, if you'd be much better suited if you were a person that was willing to give rather than always to have your hand out to receive. So um, things like that, I think they saw that I was doing in the community and wanted me to bring it to the program as a whole.
0: You know, go back to what I was saying before the show, those ideas that I'm stealing, Chris Blasio, that's going to be another one right there. That's a great, uh, a great idea. I love to hear that. And uh, I know our, our South Carolina High School League folks are loving to hear that. And uh, you're just making a big difference up there in the local community and with your kids. And, Larry, you know the name of the podcast is The Greatest Games Podcast. So, at this point in the show, we want to hear about one, maybe two, maybe – 14 get No, just a couple of uh stories about your greatest game as a coach.
2: As a coach, uh, I would say my greatest game would be the state championship game at Louisville. Um we started off the season 0-8 and, and um you know we played five A schools. Um we got beat by York. Uh, Lancaster was four or five A that year. Um we played uh Northwestern, Rock Hill, high. And they were all close games. And I just had to keep the kids from getting frustrated and losing confidence in themselves um, before conference. And I told them, I said, listen, guys, you know, we're a school that has, you know, a little bit less than 400 kids here in our high school. Um, Our pool to select talent is a lot smaller than the schools that we're playing. And uh, I just wanted them to get an idea of you know, playing, competing, and not worrying about winning. And, uh, you know, just like I say, we started the year off 0-8 with those teams. We lost – I think Hartsville was one of those teams that we lost to when they had uh, Jalen Shaw, um, and we lost to them by two. All the games were close. So I felt pretty good, but the team was beating themselves up and they were kind of down by themselves. But we were able to go on a seven – what, a 16-game winning streak. Um uh, and uh finish it off with a a uh miraculous um, game against uh, Wales Branch who was number one all year and had a couple of huge guys and you know my speech before the game is guys we we we're battle tested you know we've played you know teams that were more talented that had more size than the team we're getting ready to face. I just want you to go out and have fun. Don't look at the scoreboard. Uh, just leave everything that you've worked so hard for on the floor tonight. And, you know, to see the, the look in the guys' eyes when they uh, when they won the game, uh, the look in the eyes of the community, because they hadn't won uh, a state championship of any sort in 37 years. And, uh, you know, to be a part of that and, uh, you know, to experience that with those kids who obviously had a, a tough Start to their season and to for it to end like that was just just remarkable against a really really good, uh, Wales Branch team.
1: Where was the game? Was it in? Was it at Colonial Life?
2: It was at uh Wins uh say Wins Bryce. It was at the um the Coliseum, Carolina Coliseum.
1: Oh, was that the Carolina Coliseum?
2: Yeah, we didn't. We weren't uh, privileged enough to have an uh, opportunity to play in the CLA. It wasn't built yet. And well, I think it was 2013, and we had a—I want to say it was the um, Coliseum.
1: Talk about that, about the, you know, just that experience, telling the, you know, getting across to the kids that they get to go down there and play in an arena like that, you know, an mm-hmm. arena that you played in, and and just that that feeling. And it's not far from Louisville. What about a 45 minute hour ride for the people yeah. from Louisville? It's
2: about it's about 50 minutes. Yeah. Uh, I, I really didn't make, I, I literally didn't say anything about me playing during the time that I was there. And I wanted it to be about the kids in that moment. Um, I wanted them to let them know they can make history. And uh, people always will talk about this team, um, you know, 20, 25 years from now about what you accomplished. Um, and to do it in front of um, all your fans, your peers, and and to be. Able to, you know, after going through what we did at the beginning of the season, towards that trophy up at the end of the year, was just something that, you know, you you will always remember and uh, to do it with that group of guys, um, you know, um, who I'm very close with to this day. Um, those relationships and those times, those those tough times that during the season, those long bus rides back home, and um, after those eight wins and those film sessions. You know I, I knew that it was some guys in there at one point in time thought it wasn't possible, and for them to to have that experience at any year, I was just happy to be a part of it.
1: Roseford, talk about something new you learn every time on the show. I had no idea there was a whale branch high school in South Carolina. I'd never heard of it. I just had to look it up to see where it was. I never heard of that school when I was down there.
0: yeah oh. uh, I, I can't remember when it opened, but yeah, that was one that's kind of flown under my radar. Uh, <laughs> He's got good basketball, obviously, uh, since 2013. Too He's good basketball now as well. Uh, Larry, you know, the game itself you're down five and a half. If I'm right, looking at an article here 28 to 23, uh, it looks like you flip the script and you outscore Whale Branch 41 to 26 in the second half and take a, a championship trophy home with 64 54 wins. So, tell us about. That halftime locker room, any adjustments you thought about making or did make, and just about that second half of 41-26, That's a pretty significant flip.
2: Well, we 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 knew that um, we we had a deep bunch of athletes that get after you defensively. Um, in the first half, we kind of felt them out to try to make sure to, just to see, you know, what they. Um, what they would do in terms of countering to some of the things that we, we did as a, as on the defensive side of the ball, um, we, they was hurting us. They was hurting us on the offensive rebound. They had tremendous size They had one kid that was six, six. Um, they had another kid that was about six, eight. So they had some really good size and um, you know, we couldn't allow them to have second and third chance points uh, was something we talked about during halftime. Um, we took some rush shots early which uh, led to some fast break opportunities for them, And, you know, I told them at the beginning of the second half is what we want to do is make them work on the on the offense, on the defensive side of the ball. Um, we wanted to, um, you know, we wanted to make, you know, take our time, run our offense to get great shots. And then we're going to pick up man-to-man full court and with a little run and jump and uh, some surprise traps, you know, in the second half to see if, um to see if they would be able to um, to make any adjustments and, you know, right out from the beginning of the second half, we, uh as a matter of fact, you guys might be um, familiar with, you know, 33 and 32 that coach Fogler used to run. I ran the same, same defense, uh, you know, one pass over half court, uh, it's immediate trap, um, you know, and they, it kind of startled them and they would throw it right back to the obvious man, of course. And, we were we were able to get a couple steals quick in the game and turn the ties to the game early in the second half, um, and, and then you know we played with a bunch of energy, uh, which we didn't play with coming out of the game. I think it was the size of the arena, um, the number of fans that showed up, amount of startled some of our guys, um, and I told them just to calm down, and play, have fun. You know, we, there's no pressure on us. We're, we we weren't even supposed to be here. Uh, and I told him, I said, you know, they've been number one all season. Um, you know, just think back of, uh, um, you know, uh, all the teams, you know, in the past that, you know, had, that came into to a, a a series or, or a playoff game and um, were, were knocked, knocked off the number one team and uh, the joy and, um, the excitement of the atmosphere and and, and the team and things of that nature and they could have been one of those those individuals to take part in that so um, playing with no pressure I think a lot of those kids to play freely and have fun and uh, we just like I said we converted some fast break points and and, and the lead balloon to I think it was uh, 20 at one point in time and we just kept playing and uh, just a wonderful atmosphere, wonderful game. I mean, it was just something great to be a part of.
1: Larry, in that same article, uh, you say, you're quoted as saying, it's been one of the most rewarding things I've ever done. Uh, just to wrap up here, talk about what you mean. And that was early on in your coaching career. It's now eight, nine, 10 years later into coaching. How much more that quote means to you and and what is that reward you get as a coach?
2: Um, Just knowing the grind that it took to get there, because in in that article, it doesn't tell that um, the year before I got there, that that same team, a lot of those guys um, played on that team. They were six and 19. Um, My first year coaching, we were able to win 13 games We were 13 and 10. So my second year to, to see the transformation in only two years with those same guys was just so um, gratifying for me because they had all pretty much given up. And I had to go back in and and, and basically uh, resonate that that whole program because uh, they liked discipline when I first got there. Um, you know, I started having 536 a.m. practices and I had guys I had to identify guys who wanted to be there and um it wasn't easy because there were some talented players that i had to run off and uh in order for us to build the chemistry and and get the things that we needed to get to to be a solid basketball team so um when i say it was rewarding and gratifying when you look back 2 years prior where that team was and where that program was and to be at the end of the road and uh, the last match standing was, was just it was just it was exciting. It was uh, rewarding. It was um, the community. You know, Louisville is basically known for football. Um, you know, Sheldon Brown, who's a good friend of mine, that, that's the school he went to. He we played football and and baseball at South Carolina, and uh, you know, Sheldon played a major part in that because we had to do some revamping. You know, the weight room needed work, um, and he came in and he was just like, "What do you need, coach? What 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 is it that I can do?" And we got a weight room and you know, new uniforms and kids started feeling better about themselves. So they started working harder. And, uh, you know, that part of it goes unnoticed, but there's a lot of people that behind the scenes that played a part in, in all the success of the whole program.
0: You know, Larry, you're, you're, to me, you're describing culture and knowing you as a, a, a disciplinarian, uh, and even hearing you say, Hey, we, some kids just didn't make it because of, the standards that you had. It takes me back to episode 92 with Herb McGee back in January. The gentleman's won 1,100 college basketball games, and uh, there was one season, I don't know, 30 years ago that, um, I don't know if they had a losing season or it was close, and uh, Chris asked him a question like, well, what happened? And he <laughs> kind of jokingly asked the question, what happened? And, and Herb said, hey, I had to get rid of a couple of kids that weren't meeting the standard. And uh, that's that's the thing to me that we talk about on this podcast often all the time about making a difference in kids' lives. Like, yeah, we all want to win championships. We all want to do you know, all this glitzy, glamorous stuff. But what, is, what are the differences that we're making for our kids on a day-to-day basis? And to see you do that, holding kids accountable being disciplined and then oh by the way win a state championship because of it uh it's it's really special to hear and larry we just can't can't thank you enough for telling us uh, more about your story and sharing these things with us uh, on this podcast it's been i i uh, like i said earlier i learned some things about you that i didn't always know so we really appreciate you coming on the show larry thank you It's been, it's been awesome. We'll go ahead and put a button on this one here for my co-host, Chris de Blasio. I am Brian Rosefield, and thank you for listening to this episode of The Greatest Games.